You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Church in Huntsville, Ontario. Harvest Church is a community that exists to love God, love people, and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at myharvestchurch.ca. We're in John chapter 10, and remember last week as Pastor Marshall walked us through John chapter 9, there was this story of this blind man who had been blind since birth. Jesus comes up to this blind guy, heals him, gives him sight. This this, uh, amazing miracle, and people are like amazed by it. They, They bring the blind guy to the religious leaders of the day. And, and rather than the religious leaders seeing the grace of God poured out on this guy, the, rather than seeing the power of Jesus Christ, God the Son, the Messiah, his power on display, rather than that, they lose their minds about the fact that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. Like, yeah, 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 you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, so if Jesus did that, he, should, he, he shouldn't have done it, so he can't be God the Son. And, and so they ask this guy who was healed, remember this, they, they say, well, what do you think about Jesus? Who do you think he is? And he gives what is the greatest answer you could ever give to, hey, why would you follow Jesus? And I love his answer because his answer is a great answer for us to have. It's this, I don't know everything about Jesus, but one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see, right? I don't have all the answers to all of your questions, but I know this, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was broken, and now I've been made whole. I was hopeless, and now my identity, my purpose, my meaning, my future is secure and solid in who Jesus is and what Jesus says about who I am. It is all, all about Jesus. In verse 10 of the chapter we're going to read this morning, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundant, more full, more passionate, more meaningful, more purposeful, more more joyful. Nothing compares to knowing Jesus. That's why we're digging into this series through John's eyewitness account so that we can know Jesus to know him more. Psalm 910 says says this, that those who know your name put their trust in you. And so when we we know Jesus, when we know his character, when we know his actions, when we we know his heart, we we begin to grow in trust. And and if you know Jesus and, and you know that he's changed you completely, I was blind, but now I see your life is different. You you act differently, you you live differently. You're a different mom. You're a different dad. You're, you're a different business owner. You're, you're, you're a different carpenter, a different teacher, a different doctor, a different student. Because following Jesus changes everything. And so we want to get to know Jesus more and more. And, 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 and all through John's account here, you see these religious leaders pressing in on Jesus, asking the same question over and over again. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And so again, after healing this blind guy, right away... They're asking Jesus, man, I wish you would just tell us who you are. And so Jesus responds. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way. He says, he says he's saying, truly, truly. Now, now remember, when Jesus says truly, truly, those, those words doubled up together in, in first century Hebrew, that, that's a way of adding a bold or an underline. He's saying, this isn't just true. This is really true. Like truly, truly. This is Jesus, if he was a preacher, this would be where he'd say, hey, everybody listen up. 
Or, or, hey, you better write this down or, or underline this. He's saying, this is so important because I want you guys to hear the truth. Those who don't enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, he is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out and when he's brought, them, brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So, again, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. It says in verse six that Jesus is using this figure of speech here. They're like, who are you? He goes, well, let, let me explain it this way. And typically, we use a figure of speech because it's something we're familiar with that, that adds some light to, that explains something more clearly than what we could just say. But here's our problem with Jesus' figure of speech here. I don't know how many here in this room this morning are sheep farmers. I'm going to guess none, maybe. Like, I am. Right, there might be one person here, right? And, and, and you're, you're a shepherd. But, but most of us, we're not. And so it's going to take us a bit of work to understand this figure of speech. They would say, oh, makes sense. We, we get the, the imagery you've got here for us. We've got to unpack it a little bit. But so, so here's what we need to understand. When Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, he's saying this, we are the sheep. You and me, we're sheep. Now, here's the thing about sheep. Sheep can't take care of themselves. Sheep get lost. They, they wander. Sheep just on their own will just go from one piece of grass to another one to, hey, this looks good. Maybe I should follow this. Hey, maybe I should go over here. And eventually, they, they, they're wandering around looking. This makes me happy. I'll, I'll go after this next. And they, they look up like, where am I? How did I get here? Sheep need help to find food. And, and even if they find something to eat, they have no discernment about what is good and not good to eat. Sheep will eat poisonous plants. Sheep will eat grass until they get down to the dirt. Then they'll just keep eating dirt and rocks and stones. They need a shepherd to, to guide them, to, to show them what it, they need to eat. Sheep are defenseless. And you've seen pictures of sheep, right? Imagine, so a predator comes, what's a sheep have? I mean, I mean, and most animals have claws and fangs and, and sheep have like really nice sweaters, right? <laughs> There's a reason why no professional sports teams calls themselves the sheep. <laughs> We're the fighting lambs. Oh, so scary. <laughs> Isaiah 53 says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. Listen, that, that verse is not a compliment about who we are. We, we have this tendency to wander. We, we're led by sinful choices. We're, we're led by, by, by bad plans. We, we get led by lies we hear, lies we tell ourselves. And so the big takeaway when Jesus says, your sheep is this, we need a shepherd. If you're taking notes this morning, we have a shepherd and it's Jesus and Jesus, listen, our first point is this, Jesus is my only hope. Jesus is my only hope. 
The the text here says there is a shepherd and a gatekeeper. God the Father, the the gatekeeper. Jesus the shepherd. You and I, the sheep. God creates us with this need for a shepherd. Every one of us has in ourselves, in, in our soul, this emptiness, this loneliness, this lack that only God can fill. Augustine said this. He said that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. I don't know about you guys, if you have this Christmas tradition like we do in our house, but every Christmas seems to be the time we do puzzles, right? I, we never do them any other time of the year. Christmas comes, we buy a puzzle, we set it up. So, so this Christmas, Libby, my wife, and my oldest daughter, McKinley, they, they get this puzzle, they start putting it together. Libby bought it at a, at a thrift store. They're putting the thing together, and, and, and here's where a thrift store puzzle can be so unsatisfying. They get to the end, and there's a missing piece, Right? Now, if I was building the puzzle with them, they would know where that missing piece was. It would have been in my pocket. Anybody else do that? Right? You're building the puzzle, you steal the one piece because you want to be the one to go, I got the last one, right? I do that. I'm not petty. I'll do it, right? But that wasn't what was going on in that moment, right? There was just a missing piece. Listen, that puzzle with a missing piece, that's us. There's this missing piece in every one of us, every single person on this planet, a missing piece that only God can fill. God's appointed Jesus, God the Son, is the one thing, the person that can complete the puzzle of our soul. He's the all-satisfying treasure of our life. And without Jesus, we're this puzzle with a missing piece. Now, there are a lot of things we can put in to try to fill that space, and, and we do it often. We, we go after other things. We go after people. Maybe this person, maybe this relationship will fill that hole. Maybe this, this thing, maybe this job, and we go after self-help or, or self-fulfillment. But the text here says that there are these thieves and these robbers that are only looking to steal, kill, and destroy these other things we go after to fill that, that void are these thieves, these robbers. But, but not just these things we go after. The, there are actually thieves and robbers, the, the greatest thief, the greatest liar, Satan himself. But, but listen, anyone not pointing you to Jesus as your only hope, Jesus as your shepherd, Jesus as your all-satisfying savior, anyone pointing you anywhere else is a thief and a robber. It, it could be a false religion. Like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, right? That's what he's talking about here. And these are the guys who closed the door to the blind guy saying, nope, you don't get in. It's anything, anything that gives us this false hope. It's, it's people who, who use other people in a religious way for their own personal gain, thieves and robbers. It's, it's the lies of our culture. It could be the one side of lies that, that we don't call sin, sin. That's a thief and a robber. Martin Luther said this, that, that sin doesn't want to be sin. Sin wants to be righteousness. Can you not see that in our culture, in the world around us? Things that, that scripture so clearly says, no, this is not in God's plan. No, we actually think it's amazing. Rarely would, would, would people who would call themselves Christ followers, rarely would we say, listen, I know it's sin and I just don't care. 
Instead, what do we do? We, we lie to ourselves. We listen to false shepherds. We, we don't call sin, sin. We, we say, well, it's not my fault. I'm just a, a victim of this. Or, or does God's word really say that? I mean, come on, it's 2024. Like, like we, we're, we're different now. Maybe, maybe it's not as bad as, as the Bible says it is. And like, like little kids who are caught in the act Right? Five-year-olds are the greatest defense lawyers of all time when they're caught in something. Are they not? Like, they can defend themselves with the cookie crumbs all over. I didn't eat the cookies, right? We can do the same thing. We believe those lies. Now, now that's one where we, we don't call sin, sin. Listen, the other lie we can believe on the other side is this, where, 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 where we're doing life with Jesus, we're, we're parenting our kids to follow Jesus, we're serving in a church, we're doing all we can, and then we fall and we fail. Sometimes catastrophically, sometimes we fall and fail in a way that people around us are hurt and wounded by our sin. And when that sin is exposed, what can happen on this side, the lie we can believe is that the, the thief and the robber slithers in. Satan comes as the accuser, and he says in that moment, God hates you. You're a lost cause. I can't believe you call yourself a Christ follower. And shame begins to creep in. Listen, both of those are lies whether it's justifying our sin or the shame of forgetting the grace of God in the gospel, they're lies, lies. Lies are the, are the only language of hell. Lies, trying to get access to that place in our heart that, that only Jesus can fill. Lies that are stealing fulfillment. Lies that are robbing peace. Lies that are taking away the joy of your salvation. Lies that leave us shattered and searching. The, the voices that we hear that always remind us of our past. The voice that tells you that God could never love you. The voice that tells you that sin is better than Jesus. The voice that tells you that you'll never measure up. And Jesus is saying, don't listen to those false shepherds. Instead, what he says is, you should recognize those, flee from those, because you know my voice. Do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you know there's a truer story about you where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm your hope. I'm the one who redeems you. I'm the one who sets you free. In fact, what he says in verse seven here, Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, he says, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, when they're asking Jesus who he is, and a number of times in the book of John, he has these I am statements. I'm the light of the world. I am the shepherd. I am the door. When he uses these I am statements, we might miss it, but the religious leaders that Jesus was talking to did not miss what he was doing. He's taking a phrase from the Old Testament, I am. When Moses said to God, when God says, go lead my people out of Pharaoh's hand, and Moses says, well, who do I say sends me? And God says, you tell them, I am sent you. The Hebrew word is Yahweh. And Jesus here standing up saying, I am the door. I am Yahweh. I am God the Son. And he's saying, I am the door. I am the only way. E eternal life comes through believing in Jesus Christ alone. The only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ alone. That's why he claims to be the door, the only door. 
That we can't reach God, so God reaches down to us. That Jesus comes to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserve in our place, and then to raise again, to conquer sin and death. He says, that's me. I'm the door. I'm the entrance. I'm the gateway to salvation. I'm the way you come to have this abundant life. Now, when he says, I come to give you life and life more abundant, we've already talked about this in this series in John, that Jesus isn't just saying eternal life is eternal existence. Listen, listen, everyone will live forever. Either you'll live separated from God in hell forever or with him with abundant life in heaven. And that eternal, abundant life for a Christ follower, it begins when you give your life to Christ. It's not like, hey, when I die, I get that abundant life. No, it's now. That word abundant life, we talked about this before. It's this Greek word zoe. It's not just existence life, it's full life. It's, it's fulfilling, it's meaningful, it's satisfying, it's restful, it's peace-filled, it's that kind of life. It's this thing that, that when you come to Jesus as your only hope, that, that you say, I want wisdom, and you go, wait a minute, Jesus Christ is wisdom. I want peace. Wait, Jesus is my peace. I want strength. In him, I have strength. I want hope. Jesus is my hope. Everything our heart longs for access through the door who is Jesus Christ. I love how verse nine says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And not just that, he will go in and out and find pasture. This life full and flowing as we follow Jesus, as Jesus leads you out and in, as he leads you to pastures. Jesus gathers his flocks. His sheep follow him. Why do they follow him? Because we know his voice as Jesus guides his sheep. If you're taking notes, that's our second point. Not only is he our only hope, Jesus is the one who guides us. Jesus guides us. And the sheep know, they, they recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Now the imagery, again, this is a figure of speech. The imagery is this, that, that shepherds would bring all their sheep, oftentimes if they're not far, far away, they would bring them out of the fields and they'd bring them into these huge pens where all the sheep from all the different folds would come into these pens and then they would be gathered and stay the night there and the, the shepherd would actually lay down in the, the doorway that goes in. So when Jesus says, I am the door, the picture is pretty clear. What he's saying is, I'm the shepherd. I'm the one who lays my life down for you to be protected, for you to enter in. It's through me. In the morning, what happened is all these sheep all gather in a pen. Each shepherd would lead their sheep out. How? How? They would talk. They would call them. The sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice and all these sheep all mingled together begin to separate out and follow their own shepherd. I think I've used this illustration before, but it, for me, it's this picture of this, that, that when, when I'm on uh, it, with my family, we're out into a crowd and my, and my girls are all kind of scattered into the crowd, they're doing something. There, there's a way that we have in my family because we've done it the entire time where if they're spread out in a crowd, all I have to do is go like this. They hear that and I can see three blonde heads go, whoa. I think, that, I think that's dad, right? They, they just know that whistle. That, that, that's the same thing, that, that, that when you, you know Jesus, all these other competing voices, all the noise of the crowd all around you, all those coming to, to lie and to steal and to destroy. But when you know Jesus, you know his voice. 
Maybe you say, I don't know, if I, like, what does that mean to know his voice? Like, does God actually speak audibly and I hear him? Well, listen, listen I, I do believe that God can speak to our hearts. I mean, I was talking with someone just before Christmas, brand new to church. They'd never set foot in a church before. They, they come to church. And I'm like, hey, why would you come to church? And they're like, I don't know. I felt like God was calling me to church. So yeah, can Jesus guide that way? For sure he can. Where people say, I, I made this decision because I've been praying about it. I just feel like this is where God's leading me. But God can speak through circumstances. He can speak through good, godly people in your life. The clearest way, the simplest way God speaks is through his word. I want to hear God audibly read his word out loud. <laughs> this is where God speaks so clearly. It's why in our life groups we dig into the word it's why we walk through God's word verse by verse on Sunday mornings because, because, because in his word we can hear him. If you're in his word every day, you hear him every day. And as you get to know him through his word and you know him more and more and follow him every day as your hope and your treasure, listen, you will recognize the voice of your shepherd. If my wife calls me, like before we had cell phones with call display, if my wife would call me, she would never have to say, hey Kai, this is Libby. Why? Because I would just know her voice, right? If I were to say to her, hey, who, who is this? <laughs> that would not go well, but right? Like, if, if, why would anybody ever, like, if she called you and you don't know her well, that would make sense. If you've never met her, you wouldn't know her voice. Or, or if you haven't spent enough time with her, you wouldn't know her voice. Listen, if, if you don't recognize the voice of the good shepherd, listen, maybe, and this is hard, maybe you don't know him. Maybe you're not one of his sheep. Because verse three says he calls his own sheep. If you're not one of his, maybe that's why you don't know his voice. Maybe today is the day where you say, I want to be a sheep in his fold. I want to follow him. I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I need Jesus as my shepherd. Make sure you know Jesus. Or maybe you don't recognize his voice because you haven't spent enough time with him. Get into the word. Get into prayer. Walk closely in obedience to what he calls you to. Tune your ear to him rather than all the other false shepherds that when temptation is saying, follow me, follow me, you would say, no, you know what? Jesus is better. You're training your ear to hear your shepherd. And the good news is, if you're one of his sheep, it says in verse three that he calls you by name. That's incredible. Here's where the illustration Jesus is giving would make those listening in the first century, those listening to him here when he's saying it, they would go, what? Do sheep recognize a shepherd's voice? Yes, but in this time, it's not like the shepherd would go, oh, Dasher, Dancer, Donner, Fred. Like that's, that, no, you wouldn't have all these names for their sheep that just wasn't part of the culture there. But Jesus says, I know each one of my sheep by name. Why? Because he cares for our souls. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows, listen, he knows every secret you have. He knows all your desires, your hopes, your longings. He knows your flaws. He knows your failures. He knows your passions. He knows, and he calls you by name. Listen, no matter what name you've given yourself, the labels you put on yourself, or maybe others have placed those labels on you, your shepherd calls you child, loved one, blessed, his treasure. 
He knows you by name. Look at the, as he goes on in verse 11. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus knows you, and, and, and better than a hired hand, he protects and he provides at the expense of his own life. Here's our third point this morning. Jesus provides for me. Now, he's comparing himself, hey, a good shepherd is better than a hired hand. Here's the way I was kind of thinking about it. The, the best restaurants you can go to eat are restaurants that are owned by the chef. Am I right? Got a chef sitting right here who owns his restaurant, right? right? They're the best restaurants, right? Because why? Because you go into that restaurant, and why do they have a restaurant? Because they were cooking food, and someone said, you're amazing. You should have a restaurant. So they started cooking for more people, and the restaurant becomes popular because the food is so good. What can happen, though, the restaurant gets so popular that the chef is like, mm, I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm just going to hire people to do it instead. And, and, and you bring in like the, the high school student who doesn't care, flip it on the phone, the food's not as good, right? No offense to high school students. I mean anybody, all right? A hired hand doesn't have the same passion. So listen, put it, put it in the context of what Jesus is saying here. Hired hands, whether it's pastors, life group leaders, youth leaders, those who bail when it's hard, who say, I'm out, I'm going away. Those who don't stand up for the sheep, those who don't protect the sheep, those who won't suffer for and with the sheep, they're, they're hired hands. I am so thankful for the people I get to do ministry with here. The pastors that I get to serve with here, the, the life group leaders, the people who run and, and lead in our men's and women's ministries, people who serve faithfully, the, the people who are choosing forgiveness and grace rather than bitterness, be, people who sacrifice, people who, who gather people together because they're like, man, we're gonna be one as Christ makes us one, people who see Jesus as their only treasure and lead other people to see Jesus. I'm so, I, we're blessed as a church, we really are, amen. I, um, I'm in awe and humbled by the people I get to serve with. But ultimately, though, even with, you can have a church with the greatest shepherds. Jesus is the true shepherd. And praise God, here's why. Because every other shepherd, those here in this church, every shepherd can and probably will fail you. The most hurt and pain I've ever had in my life have been at the hands of people in church. And I think everybody at, who, who's been following Jesus for a long time ago, yeah, me too. Why is that? L listen, I think we all love Acts 2, where it talks about how sweet the church was, gathered together, sharing everything. Like, man, that is amazing. And we forget the rest of the New Testament, where every single letter was written to a jacked up, broken church. It's, it's kind of like the, the way we are. Why? Why? Because we're jacked up, broken people, 
right? And, and it's not that we're not, not going to fail and hurt each other, but, but it's, it's where there's grace, where we remember that we have a truer shepherd, that, that we get to walk with him. Listen, listen, when we see Jesus as our truer shepherd, we can say with David, like Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil. Why? Because my good shepherd is with me. When he's with me, I've got nothing to fear. When he's with me, my my soul can rest. When he's with me, I know he's working out all things for, for his glory and my good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's, it's why, listen, it's why, it's why Christians, you ever, you start to watch the news and you see the persecution around the world where Christians are, and like, man, why can they have joy and peace? Because their good shepherd leads them. When you see, when you see Christians going through difficult times with peace and hope, it's why on a Sunday here, people can praise with hands lifted high, even though going through difficult situations, because in the valley, they know it's their shepherd leading them. Their shepherd's with them. Here's the key. We don't have courage in tough times or hope and peace in tough times because of something we muster up in ourselves. David says, and we would say along with him, it's the shepherd that gives me courage. He doesn't say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I can run super fast. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know kung fu. Even though, like, it's none of that. It's even though I walk, I'm a sheep. I've got nothing. But I've got a good shepherd. Enemies can come in, wolves can come in, but I have a shepherd who will protect me, so I have no fear. In fact, Jesus stretches this illustration out, and he says that he'll lay down his life for the sheep. As much as you might love your pet, and I love my pets, right? I love my dog. I sometimes have positive feelings towards my cats, right? (laughs) If my dog runs out onto the road, I love my dog, but I'm not going to throw my dog out of the way and take the hit from the truck, okay? Jesus says as the shepherd, I love my sheep so much, I will die for my sheep. Verse 14, he goes on, he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me. Just as a father knows me and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there'll be one flock, one shepherd. He's talking to Jewish leaders here saying, there's other sheep, the Gentiles, and, and I'm going after them too. I'm gonna bring them into the fold so, so the church will be born. Verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I, I love that. What are saying? I lay down my life for the sheep. I, I, I put my life in the place of the sheep. I'm the shepherd who becomes the sacrificial lamb. I'm the shepherd when the wolf comes, I would rather lose everything than lose one of my sheep. Jesus is saying, I'll lose my life. I'll lose my glory. I'll lose the universe rather than one of my sheep should perish. And it's by his death and only his death that we can be saved and transformed. But look at verse 18. It's so important. Jesus wasn't killed. Look at verse 18. No one takes it from me in his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. 
He's saying, listen, Jesus was not crushed by the wheels of history. Jesus was the one turning those wheels. He's God of the universe. He gave his life for you. He took on your sin and your shame. He paid the price for your sin. And it says he voluntarily laid his life down. And praise God, he raised it up again. He loves us so much that he did for us what we were incapable of doing for ourselves. He became sin for us, died and raised to life. So that anyone, and that includes you, it doesn't matter what your past is, it doesn't matter what you've done even last night, it doesn't matter where you've been or how many doubts you have, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus says here, I'm providing what you desperately need, I'm taking care of your greatest problem, which is sin. So that we can say like the blind guy from last Sunday's message, I don't know everything about Jesus. I don't know all his plans for me, but I do know this. I was blind, but now I see. And our last point this morning is this, and it's the most important point. It's this, do you know Jesus? The most important part of what we're talking about, look, look at verse 19. Jesus says all of this and says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? There are people who, who flat out didn't believe Jesus, weren't listening, didn't know him, didn't follow him. My question is, do you know Jesus? Because the choice is, they're saying Jesus is a liar. He's got a demon. He's a lunatic. He's insane. Or look at verse 21. Others who say, no, he's Lord. Others said they're these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Do you know Jesus? Have you laid your life down, died to yourself to be made alive in Christ? It's, it's a way you begin your life with Christ where you say, I'm laying down my wants, my desires. I'm laying down my sin so Jesus can make me alive. We die to our sin, to, to our wants, to our desires. And we say, Jesus, you're my shepherd, you're my king. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, we walk in that same truth every day. Dying every day to our sin. Laying down our lives for the cause of Christ. Laying down our lives for each other in the church. Do you know Jesus? Verse 22. It says, at the time of the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter. So now time's passed. It's now moving later in time, right? And there's this feast going on. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colony of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Like no, no more of these illustrations and word pictures. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So, so here they are at this, this feast of dedication. It, it, it's not a biblical feast, that, that it, but it's this, this celebration that came that Jews would follow and celebrate. It, it, it's this national celebration of a past political victory. There was this evil tyrant called um, Antiochus Epiphany, and he'd come in from Syria, overthrown Israel. He set himself up in the temple and sacrificed a pig on the altar as just a, the most absolute disgusting shame he could put on the Jewish people. 
It was an abomination. And, and, and there was this family, though, the, the Maccabees, these, these dudes that were just these tough guys. They rise up going, we're not going to sit by and let this happen. So the, the Maccabean brothers, they get together. They defeat Antiochus Epiphany. They reclaim the temple. They consecrate it on December 25th, 164 BC. And it began this celebration of the Feast of Dedication. The word dedication in, in Hebrew is Hanukkah. Hanukkah means dedication. So it's this, this celebration of Hanukkah, this spiritual, political celebration all wrapped up in one. And I think it highlights why these Jewish leaders found it so hard to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're looking for another Maccabee. They're looking for a political leader to come in and destroy the Romans that are oppressing their people. And Jesus walks in and he says, I'm actually not about your little kingdom. I've got a greater kingdom. I'm not talking about your little problem with the Romans. I'm talking about the greater problem of sin and Satan. And Jesus, that's what I've come for. And he's saying here, all the miracles I'm doing, all the works I'm doing in my Father's name bear witness about who I am. You're asking who I am. Can you not even see? And the problem with the religious leaders was not Jesus' lack of clarity. It was their lack of belief. They don't listen to his voice. They don't follow. Again, my question for us this morning is this. Do you know Jesus? Because if you do, if you've put your hope in Christ, if you've rested in his finished work on the cross, look at verse 28 and 29. This is amazing. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So all the promises from the first part of this sermon, all those promises, if you're a follower of Christ, they're yours, guaranteed. Jesus says, you, you can't be snatched out of my hand. When you put your trust in me, that's how secure you are. You're in the hand of, of Christ, the powerful hand of Jesus. But not just that, God the Father, his hand around that as well. Colossians 3.3 says this, that that. If you've died and your life is hidden with Christ, you've died to yourself and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're secure. No, no trial, no sin, not even Satan himself can take away your life hid in Christ. Listen, your hope is not how well you hold on to Jesus. It's Jesus who's holding on to you. Your salvation secure. Here's what I think it can do for us as Christ followers. If, if you are, and I'm not saying, listen, listen, make sure you know Christ. Make sure you are his, but if you are his, listen, when trials come, maybe we should start saying this, yeah, but I'm saved. When finances are tight, man, I don't know what this next year looks like, but I'm saved. I'm in his hand. When your health is in a tough place and you don't know what the days and weeks and years to come, what it's, what it's gonna be like, yeah, but I'm secure in my Savior's hand. I have eternal life. I'm saved. So my question again this morning is this. Do you know Jesus? Jesus says in verse 30 so clearly, they're asking, who are you? And he says in verse 30, I and the Father are one. So clear. He's claiming, I am God. So clear. Look at verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They got what he was saying. Jesus says in verse 32, Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? <laughs> I love that. He's like, oh, you're going to stone me? All right. Is it because I healed a guy? 
maybe it's because I fed 5,000 people. Is that, is that why you're stoning me? Maybe it's the guy who was lame for all those years and I, I healed him so he could walk again. Are you stoning me for that? You see the power of Christ there, right? He's not scared at all. Verse 33, the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work we're gonna stone you, but for blasphemy because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the father consecrated and sent into the world, you're blasphemy because I said I am the son of God? Crazy weird argument Jesus is using here. It's, it's hard to, to completely unpack. He's, he's pulling a, this obscure verse from Psalm 82 where those who were following God, they, they were called little g gods and, and then they were called the sons of God. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're upset because me, the one who's come proclaimed by the Father to be the Son of God? Verse 39, again, they were set out to arrest him. They refused to see Jesus, they refused to believe. Verse 40, and he went away across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first and where he remained and many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true and many believed in him there. Some refused to believe, some believe. What about you? As the worship team comes up, as we end off this morning, would you describe yourself more as the religious leaders but with a heart that's, that's closed off? Or maybe, maybe this morning as you hear this sermon, it's beginning to dawn on you, maybe, man, the Bible is actually talking about me. And, and Jesus has been drawing you. Listen, why not make today the day? Why not make today the day you turn to Jesus? You stop running from him. Why not come to Jesus now? To turn from your sin. Invite Christ to be your savior, to follow him. It, it's, it's a simple act of a heart that says, I, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I recognize I'm a sheep and I need a shepherd. You say, I'm following him today. For those of you who know Jesus, are, are you living like a sheep who has a shepherd? Or are you trying to act like you're not a sheep? And, and this morning, maybe this morning's a morning where it's a, a morning of, of humbling, where you say, I, I, Jesus, I need you. I've been doing this on my own. I've been striving on my own, but, but I need you. Or, or maybe there's a fear you need to give to the Lord today. And you're like, man, I've lost that, that abundant life, that, that peace, that joy, that hope. And this morning, you need to see your shepherd again. Maybe, maybe this morning for you, you're wrestling with lies that you've been believing. The voices of the enemy, the lies you tell yourself, this morning, like, I want to rest in the truth of what Jesus says about me. Are, are you weary? Are you troubled by the weight of sin? Are, are there physical things that, are, that, that have caused just this fear and this doubt to cloud over your heart and your soul? And, and, and Satan is throwing all sorts of things at you and you're wondering, am I going to make it to the end? My prayer is this, that today would be a day you rest. Today would be a day you celebrate You'd remember that the foundation of your life as a Christian is this simple promise from the text this morning that you, if you're a Christ follower, you belong to Jesus.
and your hope is this amazing truth. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Would you stand with me? We're gonna, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing as a response and I pray this. Sing this song with this truth in your mind with, with hands raised in surrender and celebration of who Jesus is. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for the truth of your word that you are such an incredible shepherd. And you say to us, come all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That we would celebrate this morning, not that in our own strength we can make it through another day, but that we have a savior who's given his life for us, laid his life down for us, that we would have abundant life, full life. So God, I pray right now in this moment, if there are those who don't know you, that, that today would be a day of salvation, where they would go from being sheep who don't know your voice to sheep who hear you and know you and follow you and are placed in your hands secure. For those who are sheep of your fold and, and wrestling and struggling, God, I pray the promise of the gospel would be renewed again. And as we sing this truth, that our hearts would remember who you are and our lives changed forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.